0: Hello, and welcome to Skopi Radio. This is Danielle Levski.
1: And Daniel Johansson.
0: And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we're here with... Omanya Narula.
1: Yay! Yay! How are you today?
2: I am good. The weather is so nice today, and I overdressed, which is something that I don't appreciate about what I did today, but I'm loving the weather. I left the house this morning to walk
3: to work, and... I was wearing a jacket, and I got outside, and I was like, "I don't need this." Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah. I had the same issue. I had a cardigan on top of this because, well, modesty stuff at work. Oh no. Mm. Yeah, it's a thing. And then I had my like my like awesome jacket over there on as well, and I was like, "Oh no, it's very hot out." Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. The
1: it's been raining a lot the last mm. few days, and then today it kind of like heated up, kind of good. Yeah. But it was cool it was really like it's been a few days of just like really cold weather like i pulled the heaters the space heaters back out because like it's a small apartment we don't have like a central heater or anything right. like
0: that i think it's funny we're talking about the weather
1: i also lo- i
3: <laughs> well something that we talked about with um the founder of pivot arts recently yeah. was like yeah it's like yes it's it's like cliche and like indicative of possibly bad conversation that we're talking about the weather but in Chicago Uh, it's like
1: it's not because it's like hot today and it was it was not a while yeah you had to wear
3: don't mess with that too much as as someone who's been here
0: most of her life this is the weirdest may
1: it is the weirdest may well it took forever (laughs) to get warm yeah and then it yeah i don't know it's really dumb anyway we're really glad (laughs) to have (laughs) you here (laughs) Here um thank you so much for coming yeah um so we're really excited to talk about your project um,
3: but we're going to let Danielle take the lead. Oh, right. Because. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, of course, you can't see this, but Danielle is actually in the captain's chair, which is great. I like to
0: think of myself as a cartographer,
3: but sure, yeah. a captain will do.
1: Captain, captain will do. <laughs>
3: Uh, oh, so yes. if you want to get us, get
0: us going. Thank you very much, Maureen. I appreciate that. But of course, we're all here to speak today about Chicago theater now. <laughs> is that is that all right? Is oh, it, yeah. All right, That's how perfect. I did that? Is it good? Like, yeah, scream was, now at the end? It's really powerful. Good. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, so was going for. So before we began this podcast, we were talking about a couple of things. The inception of this project, mm-hmm. some goals that we both kind of shared overall for the community and i initially thought yeah let's start from the beginning but i really enjoyed what we were just talking about Mm -hmm. in terms of recognizing the different processes behind all the different roles within the theater community and how within the community itself people don't seem to understand all the roles fully
2: right
0: and outside of the community they definitely don't
2: Oh my gosh! So yes. So
0: <laughs> why why don't we like start from there and then and then we'll we'll work our way back and then back to the we'll work our way back, and then to the present again.
2: Definitely. I mean, you know, that's one of, one of my goals for this piece was to get people from all walks of theater represented. You know, and if that means, uh, five choreographers, set designers, directors. Uh, lighting design, whatnot, you know, everyone should have a voice because there's a lot more that goes on to making theater uh, besides the actors that you see on stage and the set that you see on stage. You know, there's a whole, you know, sometimes like a year's worth (laughs) of... (laughs) A year's worth of uh, process that goes into making a show. Like, for example, Calamity West who uh, did Hinter, at Steep a couple months ago that I and directed, um, you know, went through drafts and drafts and drafts even before first rehearsal happened, you know. But on opening night, we have all the critics criticizing what they see uh, as face value, which is mm-hmm. fine, which is, you know, sure, that's, you know, their job.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I come from this, you know, from firsthand experience right. having... I was a critic up until recently for New City Magazine. And um, I guess maybe because I come from the performing arts background in some case, I have a a very large empathy for all my performer friends, for all my artistic and creative team friends, because I know how difficult it is and how everyone is working on pretty much shoestring budgets to put this amazing work together. And, And they're also not just using like a monetary effort but a huge emotional psychological etc cetera, etc cetera, effort to put things together so mm-hmm. what i w- always felt when i was coming in as a critic that i wanted to give respect and justice to that process mm-hmm. while also being like oh hey how can i talk about your friend okay okay <laughs>
3: forever There's, I just I just hit there are like lots of springs on yes. all of our stuff and
0: yeah oh, okay. also yeah I mean, <laughs> I'm very like, bad at talking without my hands you're fine yeah okay
2: <laughs> I'm the same habit I'm like <laughs>
0: put my hands down
2: well oh. so
3: actually the kind of what you're talking about with your reviewing style that's honestly what drew us to you as a theater editor is because um we read one of we read a negative review of yours.
0: Which one?
3: Um, it was it was the Prop Theatre. Oh, it was the yeah. um, it was oh. the Last Days the Brecht. of Commune. Yes, um, and y- you did not enjoy it. No. But well, but what was co- what was good about it though is that like yes, you you did give it a negative review, which happens. It
0: Happens, yeah.
3: But every aspect of it was like you know, it it was constructive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you, you, it, it it clearly, there was empathy in it, which a lot of times there's no
0: empathy. And that's the problem for me Mm -hmm. overall of, of like the critic world in general, there's no empathy for what the artists are creating.
2: Right. And there's, there's just, there's so many moving parts when you, you know, when you create a theatrical piece and there's so many things to consider, you know, um, like, this huge like collaborative process that happens you know i was talking to mark Larson the other day and i was talking about how uh within chicago training uh it's a very ensemble-based training Mm -hmm. you know and there's something about having this ensemble-based training that bleeds onto the way community members live their lives whether Mm -hmm. that means on social media or that means in general. And that's what happens whenever you see something go down, like a controversy goes down, Facebook, and then the entire community comes together, you know, to hold each other up, you know, as an ensemble. So like, yes, you can have ensembles within theater companies, but the Chicago theater scene as a whole is one big ensemble filled with many different moving parts, many different people who concentrate on different things. You know, and so I think it's important to recognize those different things that they concentrate on. Um, you know, and and I that's kind of one of the reasons why I started this, uh, was to shed light on the different moving parts within the industry. Um, but also another reason was uh, accountability within Chicago theater and the chain uh, of mass, like... Uh, journalistic things that were going on within the community and sensitive things, um, racial slurs. Um, and it was kind of uh, like a, a moment where I just thought, you know, why is this happening? This is, there's something definitely rooted within the system that is not working for the Chicago scene right now, mm-hmm. you know? And this keeps happening time and time again. So it's great that we have something like Facebook. When, um, you know, the profiles incident happened and then people got really angry. Mm -hmm. It's great that we have social media when the N-word was dropped in Justin Hayford's article for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And everyone uh, was, you know, uniting to fight against this. But the thing is, this only adds a band-aid. Mm -hmm. to the problem it's not actually solving it right so how can we have these conversations before things happen you know in a in a in a concrete platform where people can calm down and shed light on a situation and so that um, a a company uh, the board of directors a reviewer a casting director can look at these articles look at what Chicago has to say right now on uh, the next time they want to put on a show, next time they want to write a review, keep this in mind. Uh, you know, it's more like a food for thought on where Chicago is at the moment, where Chicago is right now. Um, and that's kind of what my goal with this project was.
0: Yeah. Those are all very <laughs> awesome things that I wholeheartedly agree with. And uh, if, if, I, if you guys don't mind, I wanted mm-hmm. to, uh, if you all don't mind, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed a similar type of thing happening a few weeks ago on Facebook. There was a production being put on by the greenhouse.
2: Uh, it was Matt Cap. Yes, with uh, using the greenhouse space yes, and yes, Oleana. Using the yeah, mm-hmm. and then Emma
0: Cooling took down
2: mm-hmm.
0: base not single handedly. I mean, of course, the community was very helpful, but right. I just saw the way that using your voice on social media can actually make an impact mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. because. Previously to that, everything I had heard about, like, all of these, including, like, the racial slur incident, including profiles, Mm -hmm. that all kind of happened and bubbled up over time, over a long period of time. But this happened, like, in a matter of days. Right. Where it was just, like, shut down. And I thought that was incredibly powerful and interesting. But I also realized that, um, Madcap put it on, correct? Yes yes it didn't seem like they really learned anything from that experience like they stood behind the production still Mm -hmm. they stood behind the decisions they made for it. Mm it it was nothing was learned nothing was taken from that to be better in the future right and i agree with you i would i would also like to see how we can have those conversations and not be so tied up in ourselves and, and come together as a community in a way that's like, okay, how can we all lift each other up and listen to each other and admit when we're wrong?
2: Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, and I think what, what, you know, everyone's efforts, you know, it was, um, Emma's, uh, Gabby Labotka, Alicia Cole, Ali Goodman, you know, a a bunch of other people, you know, actually it started, This was ignited, I think, some time ago when the Me Too movement was happening, when that was strong. Mm. And I believe Richard Costas, um, who is uh, an actor around town, uh, posted something on Facebook saying like, not not verbatim but something on the lines of like i wonder like if any theater company does a production of oleana in chicago you know what that has to say um Mm -hmm. and you know that this is how close-knit the community is you know and that's how social media is such a great platform is that that was kind of reflected the moment madcap decided to do this production and started having auditions for this production you know and it it just timing right timing is so horrible because you just have this me too movement you're just having these conversations about women getting harassed within the industry and then you have a play that questions uh whether or not the this person's accusations are legitimate right and i there is something to say about that kind of play but i Obviously it's not the right time for it it's it not the not. right scene for no. it and it off- offended a lot of people within the industry you know and I think that was something amazing to note was that people were just fed up with mm-hmm. everything that was going on um
0: I also hate people playing the devil's advocate for the sake of playing the devil's advocate. right, right. it's like okay sure potentially there's a time for this story is it now absolutely not right or well me- but yeah. then but then like th- th- you know, after you like ask that person,
3: like, "Hey, can you kindly take a back seat because you're deflecting, yes. you're you're distracting from the point?" Then comes the gaslighting. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, right. So
0: maybe there isn't a good time. I don't know. Uh, Something's yeah. just belong in the past, right? <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I firmly believe that there are certain things now um like even like watching some of my favorite childhood Mm -hmm. films i can't anymore right or listen to some of my favorite bands that i loved in high school or musicals that i used to be so fond of
2: i I they don't hold up i mean and that's okay because you know we evolve we're meant to evolve like that's what we've been doing since like humans existed um and so like i think we should just allow ourselves to move with the trends that are happening and it's stop denying it but supporting it you right. know and and that's what when you like going back to what you said about madcap and them being in denial or whatnot i think again it i think it's about having these conversations before Something happens, you know. I mean, that, that's you know, you can never anticipate when something will happen. But it's right. it's about informing the community that these are just thoughts that the community has, and this is what we this is what we feel right now, mm-hmm. you know. So that may, maybe if this came out um, like before the decision making process for the season, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Oliana would not be on the list. Who, Who knows? knows? Um, but but you know, having that kind of Mass uh uh thing of community coming together on Facebook, sometimes the the person feels or the company tends to feel attacked and withdrawn. Um, that it kind of it's a scare tactic, and that they'd rather just step out and just not do the production rather than actually apologizing for their actions. Um,
3: Well, what's interesting to me is that like, you know, folks will mount a work that ends up being offensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and nine times out of 10, it's because the people in the room making the decision were straight white guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we we talk about like, how can we head this off at the past? How can we head this off at the past? And it's, having representation in the room where decisions are made Mm -hmm. because if something's going to be offensive to a certain group Mm -hmm. then you should have someone who has that experience in the fucking room right yeah
0: yeah
2: yeah and that's i mean that is that is the biggest thing the decision makers need to not just be straight white men right Mm -hmm. um like
0: i want to see diverse boards right i want to see boards full of people of color i want to see queer folks i want to see women i like all shapes and sizes and kinds and I just want to see more rainbow honestly right well and honestly like the
3: most telling and like the most impactful change that I could see from a company that fucks up Mm -hmm. is if I see a a shake up with their board yeah Yeah. like if if like if a company fucks up there better be a press release like at the end of your season being like announcing our new board members because if if you're not Mm-hmm. then, then you're just setting yourself up to continue to make those mistakes, mm-hmm.
2: and more. you're you're closing yourself in your own bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all that that's happening, you mm-hmm. know like i I wholeheartedly believe the thing with Justin Hayford was enclosing themselves in their own bubble, you know, and some may argue maybe it's their own own uh, systematic error coming through, but you know, how can you how can you? change the way you review something when you don't have an in or an access to change your point of view Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know emma emma cooling does a really interesting article within this about how racism and this is not verbatim but she goes into something about how racism is inevitable and that we can never not be racist however Racism is a learned fact, and that's probably someone probably told you in your life that you can never not be racist, so you don't bother to change, you know, but you can change, you can actively do better by reading things by exposing yourself to new material. Mm-hmm. That's how you change. And th- the world is going to keep evolving. You know, there's no point saying, well, this is what we did back in the day, so it should be fine. Why are people offended? Mm-hmm. A community is offended for a reason should take note on that um
0: I think it was a journalist of color because I saw I think it was Al Jazeera that put out this short video about that exact idea Mm -hmm. about like how inherently all white folks are racist Mm -hmm. and like inherently men are sexist Mm -hmm. and that is a systemic issue and it's something that needs to be like worked through every single day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people had many feelings about this video, of course. Um but I'm I'm very excited to read Emma's piece and Daniel I think you were trying to say something. I did have a question. No, I'm, can... I'm
1: like fired up and <laughs> like multiple things, but, okay. I, and, but, I, but I also want to talk less. The thing though, I will say <laughs> is that it's always interesting to me when getting into this conversation as like a white straight dude, I'm very here to say that like, yes, these are internalized and layered issues and like unpacking, sexism unpacking homophobia unpacking like gender binary like layers and and um you know we've talked about this with like anti-semitism like things like yeah, that like, these yeah. are things that are part of being the privileged class like it's just part of like there's a there's a certain level of Accountability that needs to happen Mm -hmm. for that and I I think one of the things that you know is really powerful about um, The way that you look going about this and the way that you're thinking about this and really aligns with what I think is good journalism Is not doing reactionary journalism? Yes, and I think that's something that I've always had a major critique with with arts Journalism is the fact that like if if your entire concept of journalism is based off of reviews I think you're doing a bad job because in in reality like that's not what journalism is intended to do Like the thing that what you have here Mm -hmm. is a true journal and like the true sense of the term journalism like what it is is actually do it building a journal and in a lot of ways like in the DIY grassroots sphere that's not something that people are familiar with because the the concept of a journal has always been this like privileged traditionalist thing like you know like I have issues of journals from like my work at the University of Chicago with like all the old white people that (laughs) know journals but like that's that's you know like (laughs) (laughs) but that's not something that we you know we've allowed for so much of The way that we cover arts in the last you know four decades to to leave that sphere and kind of enter this really the word i keep coming back to is reactionary space of like Mm -hmm. well i'm gonna react to the play i saw i'm gonna react to the critique i have about maybe our entire white staff might be racist like it's not about it's not about it's a band-aid not an actual like let's look at the process of what we're doing and how to fix it Mm -hmm. um so like All of that is I actually have a question for you, which Mm -hmm. is I want to talk more about kind of your process um, and kind of how, you know, in in what ways has these kind of theoretical things that we've been talking about um, manifest in the way that you've both, you know, reached out to people and and hired and and pitched stories and all of that stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, how did it show up in your editorial work?
2: Sure. Um, can I actually tell you a story of like how this was conceived? Yeah. Great. So, um... Last semester, uh, a couple months ago, uh, this was during the Me Too movement, I was commissioned uh, to do a piece on sexual harassment in Chicago. And through that, um, through my investigations, I actually ended up catching a lead on a former faculty member at Columbia College Chicago, Mm -hmm. where I did my undergrad. This was a faculty member within the theater program uh, his name was Brian Posen. Uh, this was a very awkward thing for me because Did I had... Did you crack that? Uh, I was close to it. Okay. I'll, I'll go into like, yeah, yeah, what happened. Yeah. yeah, so... Who were you um, commissioned to write it for? Uh, F News Magazine for uh, my institution at the Art Institute. Uh, okay. Um yeah. <laughs> Wow. That, yeah, that was heavy, and it was very awkward because I, you know, I had... I'd never taken his class. And I remember when I was at Columbia, he taught improv. And I wanted to take his class um, every semester, but it always got filled up. And I got really involved with a combat program uh, over there. And so it just kind of never became a thing. But I would interact with him outside of the classroom and, you know, was a very uh, a helpful person. Uh, and so we we knew each other through name bases. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also very close to some of my beloved Professors at Columbia. Uh, however, I, I started noticing a lot of comments made against him uh, within the industry on Facebook by Becca Brown, by multiple other people about uh, sexual harassment within the comedy scene. And then I started researching some more, and turns out he got fired from Second City. Um, and that was because of uh you know a ton of women came forward privately to the board at second city um and they were serious allegations, and he was fired. however, there was no article ever right. posted about this at oh, all my God. um and you know the reader in the Tribune had actually reached out to some of the some of the people who made comments regarding Brian Posen, and they uh, had apparently from my understanding um, They had an article set in stone that never got published and then I started chasing the lead and had an unofficial source um, that I was talking to who was adamant that I don't post the article because there was also fear that if Brian Posen goes down 773 would go down along with it similar to profiles and there's tragedy in that because 773 provides a platform for multiple different companies to perform and you know that would be like losing a a really treasured space within Chicago Um, but the allegations were serious You know, and so I remember writing this article um, and then talking to my editors and them telling me that backing is not legitimate, and was again me thinking about, oh no, now I'm not going to be able to publish this. And sure enough, five days after I spoke to my unofficial source, Brian Posen stepped down, made a statement on Facebook stepping down from um, 773. um, claiming that oh i'm so sorry that there's been these untrue allegations we all know in comedy um uh things yeah, can offend people it, right? um so not not quote uh, quote unquote but something like this but the allegations weren't about his comedy was sexual harassment you know and, and, and even more than that um but now he's 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 no longer uh, the the person who's you know uh, the artistic director of Seven Seven Three. However, there is still funding coming from him for the company, but that just got me thinking about you know a- accountability in Chicago and and how we're so good at being there for each other, mm-hmm. but. Profiles was an open secret for so long, mm-hmm. you know. And Profiles mm-hmm. was allowed to come to my institution at Columbia when I was an undergrad, you know, year after year for internship fairs, you know, even though that was an open secret. You know, why, why, why was it just kind of like, oh yeah, don't go to Profiles, uh, something may happen. Why is it? Why wasn't it like, let's take Profiles down, you know? Mm-hmm. And I and then, you know, there is a right time and place for that because the conversation wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what generated this issue, this zine. Um, other than that, the pieces that I commissioned were mostly conversations I had with people, uh, with practitioners, you know, while working with them on a show or at a bar or, you know, things that I was personally interested in and wanted to learn about, um, like accessibility. How can we do better in Chicago for accessibility? What do, what does that mean? Um, yeah, so that's kind of how we got here. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: I think it's so, I think it's so telling that like, honestly, in the past two years, pretty much exclusively in the past two years, so many institutions have, you know, have had shakeups because of sexual harassment. I mean, Daniel and I had come from opera and like the, you know, James Levine from the Met in, in New York city, Mm -hmm. you know, he, it was, an open secret for like 20 years Mm -hmm. that he was that he was sexually assaulting children
1: and it's absurd right because the concept of an accountability coalition is not a new concept Mm -hmm. like there have been accountability uh, coalitions that have started and then been neglected for like forever. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that, you know, that's been interesting to I've lived in Chicago for 5 years now. Mm-hmm. And so I remember the first accountability coalition I learned about and I was like, "Oh, that's I think it was probably maybe it was not in my house. I'm I'm thinking there might have been something before that, but I'm not sure." But um but it's been interesting kind of actually talking with people that that have been here for longer and realizing like this is a this is a pattern that we, we it's like there's because of the fact that all of these things are so And I'm sorry to bring it back to reactionaryism, whatever that word is, (laughs) but like it's 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 not an active let's prolong this conversation. It's a let's figure out what the band-aid is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out who's who what which one person will fix the problem that is ultimately a systemic problem that Mm -hmm. is like institutional problem that is like a cultural problem issue and and i think that's why i commend like what you're doing and i commend projects like this because what it does is it's really opening up that wound to try and unpack what is actually going on in all of that
0: yeah i have Um, to agree with that because and also society societally speaking and systemically speaking as you mm -hmm. were saying um our attention spans in general are very short mm-hmm. right and that's part of reactionary journalism is that it's it's uh it's feeding into our very short attention spans and and we need projects like this that like def- they're just completely defiant against reactionary journalism and against short attention spans because it forces you to stop think listen edit for longer than 24 hours <laughs> and actually think about what you're putting out there and the things you're saying
1: or recognizing that like editorial energy isn't just about formatting. I mean it definitely is like formatting is super important, mm-hmm. but also recognizing that the editorial board has a certain degree of of like being the people that steer the ship. Yep. And if your exactly. editorial board are like all white dudes that think they have hot takes, like maybe rethink that cuz yep. like that's mm-hmm. not if it's especially if you're you know, covering like local shit. If you're covering, if you're like supposed to be the voice of a city, you know, like that's not what a city looks like at all. Is no. at all, no. no. Um, yeah, and and that's I. Yeah, I wanna. Um, I can talk about this forever. I want to talk okay. more. Yeah, no, you go ahead. You, you have okay. questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually wanted to ask about the art in here. because yeah. So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, gathering all these different writers. You've met them through different circles, through your own work as a theater artist. And mm-hmm. you are, from the intro here, <laughs> you are an actor, fight choreographer, writer, and theater maker in all the different ways. And mm-hmm. that's really awesome. So I'm I'm really curious to actually know how you got... Uh, the different visual artists to also um, give their
2: work to this magazine? So um, the art that is on the black pages mm-hmm. is all featured art. The articles that complement the articles are done by my good friend Ted Dayton. Mm. Um, that is, He's a playwright. He's an actor, a uh, singer, uh, but also a very, 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 very great uh, line artist. Um
3: Oh that's so yeah uh,
2: and he was actually a former roommate of mine and I you know I, I remembered like every now and then I would walk home and see him just drawing, you know, and I was like, This is amazing. Oh my god, why don't you like do something with this? Um and it was just kind of, you know, set it aside and we'd move on and whatnot. And then again he started uh taking up his artwork and I saw him post it on Facebook and a lot of his artwork was these very metaphoric, kind of beautiful things. Um, and I was really, really drawn to it. And you know that with this with the zine, one of the things that I wanted to highlight was what do theater people do besides their theatrical occupation? because awesome. no person does just one thing. no artist <laughs> does one kind of art. You know, if you're a creative, you are a creative in many different facets. Uh, And while Ted Dayton works a lot as an actor, as a playwright, uh, he is also an artist, you know, and so uh, I asked him if he wanted to be on board and he was really excited about the project, you know, and we sat down and we talked about the articles and he sort of just he would read the articles and find some like uh, just think up something that would complement the vibe of an article. Like, for mm-hmm. example, MSP uh, uh, has, like, a Star Wars reference in there where she gives a comparison empire about... Uh, yeah, about Osada. Luke Skywalker, be a Luke Skywalker an Empire as opposed to neglecting um, your responsibilities. Um, and um, Ted Gally Dayton...
0: L'Botka, I love this
2: illustration here of the um,
0: universal... What is it, like, the no, mm-hmm. do not cross sign? Oh, yeah, the... The Ghostbusters cross through. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you have two individuals sitting on top of it holding hands. It's really tender and beautiful.
2: Yeah, Ted is ted is amazing. Yeah, um, I just I just think that's so
0: amazing. I, I love to when I love when magazines incorporate so many different types of mediums
2: and artists into their work. So I really appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean the goal is, you know, to make like build this up and even further. I mean, we have a we have a crossword in here uh just <laughs> to get a little more interactive about uh the uh, the playwrights of Chicago for this upcoming season. Um just kind of question people's uh general knowledge about Chicago theater. Um but the hope is that I can expand on that uh the following editions and incorporate more types of art within this. Like right now we have like line drawings we have sketch art we have poetry you know and what other mediums can we add in there i think that would be really cool because people aren't just limited to one form of art
0: have you got any pushback
2: regarding regarding this um i've yeah i've received some criticisms about uh it being a little name collie um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there's
3: nothing wrong with that <laughs> which, which I
2: understand um, but you know that's kind of where the conversation was right now which is having people account for their actions you know mm-hmm. six months from now the conversation could be a totally different thing and who knows what kind of uh, criticisms I could receive then um, but th- this is something that I want to be ever evolving mm-hmm. Because now means a totally different thing a year from now, two years from now, five years from now account I could probably do another accountability edition five years from now, and it'll be a totally different probably. um right. a statement than what I'm saying right now, mm-hmm. you know so it, like it dates it a little, but I think that's a it's a cool uh it's a cool little kind time of capsule time capsule of of thing
3: I think that that's really valuable because I think that um. I think that having solid records of of how shit went down <laughs> spring of 2018 Mm -hmm. is so valuable because it's it's such an important reference like there are Mm -hmm. so many things that happened in our history that we have to that we have to work to remember that we have to like that we have to like drill into people's Mm -hmm. minds of like this happened this is how it happened this is how people's lives were affected this is what people did about it this is and this is how we are you know this is how we are here today and i think that You know, this is this is such an important way of being like, hey, in spring of 2018, we very badly needed to reflect on accountability. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think it would be incredible if because of this, you know, I think it would be incredible if, you know, because of this in-depth discussion of accountability, we didn't have to have another conversation about it but we probably will. And yeah. I think that having a place to start of like, okay, this is how far we got in spring of 2018. <laughs> now that it's fall of 2021, let's <laughs> let's see what we let's see where we can you know, pick up where we left off.
2: Right. Yeah. Um I think that's a very exciting um very very exciting thing for me to see like what happens with the tide of Chicago and yeah. where the conversations lead and you know that's I think you, you mentioned about how did we get here you know and that's kind of um, so being a fight choreographer obviously I get really giddy about how did fight choreography become a thing in Chicago mm-hmm. You know, because it's till today, like recently on Facebook, I was just seeing someone's post. I think it was Rachel Flesher, who is a uh, intimacy and violence designer uh, across Chicago was um, she posted an image, but some new work or something where the script said that this character slapped another character. And it was in in. Uh, um, Brackets, none of those uh, fight choreography things. Uh, you should own up to the slap, do a real stage lap kind of thing. And it was like, oh my gosh. Well, no. And this is 2018, and that conversation is still happening. Mary Shen Barnage, who um, who is you know, been a reviewer for a very long time, has a very, very particular interest in stage combat. You know, and she was a huge friend of uh, David Woolley, who's my mentor, and the SAFD, which is the Society of American Fight Directors. Um, That's the American organization for uh, combat training and Mm. fight directors and whatnot. Um, And she did an interesting piece that I commissioned her for, which was uh, like a brief history of stage combat in Chicago. And how did we get here? Because the Jeff Awards were just announced, and... We've had we have only three nominations for the fight choreography category, as opposed to the seven or eight nominations for all the other categories. Mm. And fight choreography was not even recognized in the award show until maybe five or six years ago. Um, and mind you, there's only been one female-identifying fight choreographer who's ever gotten nominated, and this year has been the first year. Uh, Kyle Cines, the first person of color to be nominated within the fight choreography category. And so, uh, in light of that, kind of did a brief history of how this even became a thing, you know, before people, like, used to just take it, used to just punch each other, wave sharp knives around each other. How did we get to this point where we're actually having these conversations about safety? Um, How we are broadening this male-dominated occupation to uh, people who don't necessarily identify as cis white men. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, yeah, that's something that does interest me, too, is, like, how do we get here?
3: No, I, like, as a, you know, I'm in my late 20s now, and when I was in high school, you know, 12 years ago, I, like, you know, the thought of, like, oh, well, you should just take it, you know, Mm -hmm. we should just be waving sharp knives. Like, I remember in a high school play, like, being you know, there was a scene where I get smacked on the head by a big pole, and Mm. they just put a bunch of stuffing in my hat, and they smacked me on the head with a big pole, and everyone everyone was like, wow, she's so committed that she's doing it, and holy shit was that unsafe, and holy shit would that not happen now. Like, just how far we've come, and how, like, how valuable, like, the, you know, the thought of Fight scenes being choreographed or anything physical being choreographed without a fight choreographer makes me like the thought of that. I'm like, oh god, that's like oh or without intimacy direction. Yes, that's
2: very real. And that's a new conversation that's Mm -hmm. happening, you know. But that's that's a great conversation to have because you can't just you can't just tell an actor do it. Just kiss that person
0: or. anything else right we we have a writer right now nick benz that's working on a series about intimacy Mm -hmm. intimacy direction in chicago and what's been picked up by the national conversation around it and they're doing such a fantastic job observing Mm -hmm. all these different elements this has been such a work in progress too because they know that there's so much to talk about and there is so much information out there and how we boil it down to four segments is seems impossible
2: right (laughs) yeah i mean it's a hefty conversation but you know at the end of the day i think we all just need to realize that we're literally playing pretend with with a social cause you Mm -hmm. know with an important cause but we're 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 you know we're just this is literally fake we are not these characters and uh in the past you know like people in hollywood have been uh, commended for for taking it for living in you know in the jungle for how many days to get into the role and you know whatnot and you know really feeling the character and really hurting their characters uh, but that's unnecessary you know because then you're not acting anymore you're actually living that character so then mm-hmm. you're not actually doing your job which is to act um,
0: well how many actors have gone down the route of like severe mental illness right. like Trigger warning, Heath Ledger and his right. suicide. Uh an incredibly talented actor, for sure. Like like such a talented mm-hmm. actor. But did he have to go down the Joker rabbit hole in order to get to where he was? No, I don't think so. And then like, we lost a talented and really fantastic artist mm-hmm. because his team didn't support him right and didn't give him another way to embody a character without becoming the character
2: or like jared leto bullshit oh my gosh
0: well and i think that yeah.
3: that's you know the the way that the heath ledger conversation has changed over the past you know 13 or 12 years you know, even that is remarkable because I remember when he first died, everyone was like, it's because he was committed to his art and now we're like, he shouldn't have done that. No, no, <laughs> like, yeah. like that was a mistake. Yeah, like, if, if, yeah. if embodying a character is, a, is to the detriment of your mental health, then, mm-hmm. oh my God, like, take another acting class. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. like Like, talk to, you know, remove yourself from it because, like, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, acting and performing is a is a career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not it's not your life, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think that you I think that there needs to be that separation mm-hmm. and and that comes with the importance of somebody who's able to take you out of it and break it down right. into exactly. steps into choreography because otherwise it's too real. Yeah.
2: Cuz cuz consent cons- I mean consent is the most important thing in any facet of life it's the most important thing but also within theater i mean you you don't change choreography fight choreography just like a dance move you wouldn't uh, you know if a a dancer if a dance choreographer has given you an instruction i don't do dance but uh, one like like, plie maybe and you do two that's wrong you don't i
0: used to dance and if and if someone just decided off the cuff to change their routine it it would mess up the entire act right like it wouldn't work, and that, and it would mess up the act in like a frustrating, like a stressful way. So, but just let's take that to like something that's a violent or like mm. a sexual scene. If that gets changed, that can be traumatizing, right? And 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 worse, honestly. Well,
3: and also like you wouldn't you wouldn't paraphrase Shakespeare. Yeah, you know you have to you have to get the wording right because that is how that is how Shakespeare intended that cadence to go. And if you change a a but to an and, then you're then that's
0: wrong. Anthony Burgess and Stanley Kubrick stopped talking because the last line was changed from the movie to the book. It's one of my favorite books. Uh the movie I can't watch it. <laughs> it's it's very traumatic. <laughs> but um but but the fact that that itself was like such a big freaking deal. Like can't can't we make actions that are also related to sex and violence also a big freaking deal? Mm-hmm yeah that actually made me think about what you two were saying, and but if those are the cats <laughs> they're they're having a conversation.
1: <laughs> well, and I think it's not entirely that what it is is we have dogs that come by. Oh. and I like I love dogs, like and I get people that like walk <laughs> your dog and stuff, but we have a lot of like return dogs. Because yeah, they and smell I, the cats. Well, no, and I also think that... Well, because we're, we're probably on their walking path. Like, I get sure. that, too. Oh, yep,
0: oh. yep, yep. <laughs> and,
2: uh, so-
1: and then
0: Moody is out to get
3: them. Well, what I don't understand I is that if you own a dog... And you know that your dog is fucking with a cat... Who lives on this street... Why are you continually letting your dog the the fuck street? with that cat? Oh my god! It's gosh. the same thing
1: too, where it's like leashless, like going leashless. Like you don't do that. Like you, like you have a. There's a certain level of like first time, second time, totally un- get it. Like it's a mistake. Like you, you, people make mistakes. Humanity is a thing. But but then you have people that like see me in the window and they go like, oh yeah, no, they they play all the time. And it's like, dude, you've scratched up my window. Like you fucked up our, right. our screens. Like you you're, you fucked up our anyway. <laughs> sorry
2: I, 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 clearly I'm very passionate about this
1: that'll um, be the last the last yes. piece in the, We have every, at the end of every podcast episode in the description we have like a joke thing that happened
0: yes <laughs> Danielle <laughs> thank you no it's okay that was funny that was good <laughs> um, I was thinking about something both of you said um, what was it oh goodness Oh, I know. Um, How not to make sure... How to make sure that whatever your craft is doesn't become your life and your identity. Mm -hmm. You were mentioning earlier how a lot of the people within this magazine aren't just artists of one form. Mm -hmm. They take on many different forms. and. I myself have been thinking a lot about identity and what it means to be a writer mm-hmm. and, and an artist. And, and, and if that defines you, who you are without your art or your writing or whatever it might be. Um, and I think that's an interesting conversation for the theater world in general in Chicago. What do you think?
2: Oh, yeah. I, you know, I think I, I people, you know, are have many interests in life. And I think that needs to be recognized. You know, I don't think people can be involved in just one facet because then you get consumed by it. And similarly with like what you were talking about with acting is that this is a career, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it is, you know, when they say like leave your work at the workplace, don't take it home. There's validity to that. But there's also, it, it's tougher with theater because oh, you yeah. are invested, you are passionate about it, you know, That's and that's what happens with a lot of art is that many times you do get consumed by it. Oh, totally. But how do you remove yourself from that consumption, I guess? Um, yeah. You know, and you, that comes with having a huge support system, coming with having, um, like, an, an ensemble of you know, Chicago theater folk or collaborators that are there for you following instructions uh, from the fight choreographer knowing that this is for the scene. You're not actually living this in real life. You don't need to live this in real life. That kind of pressure on a person is really unhealthy, but it's also extremely unnecessary.
3: Mm. Absolutely.
2: There's so many other solutions and so many alternatives to creating that same dynamic. You know, and so like with with uh, especially with intimacy is you know does the scene really really need these two characters to make out or if they you know if they they're holding hands does it like give off the similar vibe to what the playwright is trying to get through you know and that is that is all up to having this open communication with the director with the actors with their comfort level and then setting. Uh, a a choreography based around that Uh.
3: yeah there's so much to be said for like letting body language and letting tension speak for itself without Mm -hmm. like spelling it out being like we love each other here is my (laughs) tongue now it's like like there's like if and that's again like the importance of someone who is so well versed in you know in the body language associated with intimacy is like if you can if you can show it without mm. pushing somebody past their comfort level then like that should absolutely be the way to go if you know if if the line after the scene is so how 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 about that kissing we just did mm. then you know then of course it makes sense but <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: terrible writing that would be but
2: <laughs> yes yeah i mean gabby gabby really does a wonderful job within the scene about consent and what yes and no means um, and yes and no means yes and no, you know, and and, and um, you know, and how, how often do directors or, or your people in the past have just said that you should just do it or just let it happen you know, and uh, Gabby has a really, Gabby is a wonderful intimacy uh, choreographer around town um, and she's been working in the industry for a long time like, Again, mentioning about how this is becoming a fight choreography is becoming a expanded towards more than the cis white male and it's been for a while recognition has been slow (laughs) um but she really does get into what what consent means within the theater and how we can how it's a very actually a very easy concept but one that for some reasons a lot of theater companies do not exercise Mm. um yeah. An important one.
0: Nick also, in their article, the first one, talked about how. It, yeah, a lot of times you have directors saying, "Just do it," or like, "Just, just make that happen," and. They hold a certain amount of power, over these actors. Not, not in the sense that like they're they're screaming or forcing them to do anything they don't want to do. Well, in some cases, in many cases, as we learned that is the case <laughs> but there is a unconscious sort of dedication by the actors who are, are the work there is there is less work than there are actors in Chicago so when they find work they're they're incredibly grateful and they don't want to lose that work because they need to get more experience mm-hmm. they want to become better actors etc and so the director holds this like amount of power in their hand that they can be like, you need to do this. And the actor's like, okay, well, if I don't do this, they'll find somebody else to do this. Yeah, I need to be seen as a team player. Exactly. And that is so damaging. And, yeah, we should talk about that. <laughs>
3: well, we are, unfortunately, I think, at time. Oh, no.
0: Yeah,
1: what's <laughs> the...
3: but, but, but. I th- but I think that if we let this be our last thought, then we should be. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why
0: I said that like a death eater. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed the description, though. So, what do you all think?
2: I'm so sorry. Can you repeat the question?
0: Sure. (laughs) Sure. I mean, okay. Um, When we're thinking about the power that directors hold over Mm -hmm. actors and other creative members of the team that don't have as much influence or say about what's happening, Mm -hmm. and directors also having the opportunity to cast certain people, but also remove certain people and find other people to take their place. Um, How does that translate over to intimacy and fight direction? How do we, how do we make sure everything is held accountable between those two things as well?
2: I mean, I think the biggest thing is having that conversation, you know, I think like, you know, like reading the script and having that table work, getting into the room um, and talking about what the scene means. What the scene means as a director, what the scene means to the actors, what they're comfortable with, you know. And I think a person's comfortability really, really, really just needs to be um, respected, you know. And a person's comfortability can change, and that's valid. uh, And we need to allow that space to happen, you know. When if a person starts getting frustrated, that's when that creates a toxic environment, and actors start feeling like. They're not uh, holding up their end of the deal as an actor, and that's a very toxic thing. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest I think the biggest thing is just to always keep an open communication with everyone, and designate. Uh, you know, a lot of theater companies are doing this right now. After what happened with Profiles, was designate designating a, a non-equity deputy mm-hmm. uh, within the non-equity uh, storefront theaters, and I think that's a very uh, legitimate and and a smart idea is to have someone who can, who will be like the lifeline for someone if they want, if they have a problem that they want to address but don't feel comfortable addressing it with that person Um, so I think having those things within each production is uh, vital
3: well and also I think just like being very clear about who makes decisions in terms of people's comfort level i think that if all of the power is in the director's hands you know if if the director does the casting and also decides you know what the what the boundaries of everybody are i honestly i think that's a conflict of interests yeah like i think that i think that the importance of fight direction and intimacy direction is that it's a separate person who is removed from the casting process that does say, like, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know what you're comfortable with so that then the director can come and just see fabulous work and be like, fantastic. We don't even need to, like, I don't even, you know, <laughs> like, great. Like, I just want to work with you again because of your incredible
0: work. Yes. Yeah. The division of power needs to be established. It yes. yeah. can fall into one person
1: yeah for me it always comes back to like uh artists and their sense of worth like i feel like we come into certain uh, things and and to prove ourselves and prove a worth thing that love that level of like wanting to go above and beyond the call of duty is something that is really not talked about especially because like so many people that are doing this are Either not getting paid enough or mm-hmm. nothing, and then are are poor or are you know yeah. trying to make this right. their career for for good reason, um, but uh, but that that mixed with people in extreme power is is a really uh, dangerous thing.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you know you see that especially with a lot of practitioners of color within within Chicago. You know mm-hmm. with that there's an article in here called the Invisible Excellence where like while now it's changing and uh, people of color are getting casted, white is still the norm, you know? And unless we, you know, unless we do something like Death of a Salesman, where um, Willie Loman is played by, you know, an Indian immigrant, you know, unless we do that, we're not really changing things up. We need to stop casting for the sake of diversity, but casting to represent uh, a different story. And can we
0: also stop typecasting, please? Emily Modiff and I had a great conversation about this and they were telling me the roles they typically get cast in and they basically said to me I'm like I'm never going to be the main love interest in any of the shows I'm in and I like made a sad face but also, it's because we continue to typecast. Even though we claim to be so diverse in our cast and we claim to, to be so forward with the way that we're looking at our roles, we still typecast. There's still a certain face, a certain look we're going for. we're certain body type. Exactly. Well, and we exactly. don't think
1: about what people actually want to do, you yeah. know? Yeah. We, it's you, you hold an audition call and then you go like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, maybe they'll fit into my concept. And it's like, that's you know that's why I Even deeply appreciate Even the audition
0: appreciate. call descriptions are yeah so, you know...
2: You know, uh, I remember when I used to make the rounds, like, w- like in the auditions and whatnot, and so many fra- people of color within the industry would look at a description, 20-year-old American girl, and feel like they wouldn't get cast, or so they wouldn't audition for the mm-hmm. part. But why can't, like, a queer woman of color be 20-year-old American girl? Why isn't that possible? Why can't, uh, Why can't we set that as one of the norms? Why is white still... Uh, You know, kind of taking over all of those Mm. characters. And unless we make that adjustment uh, within the system, things aren't going to change. People aren't going to get represented, and people are going to still see white as the basis for everything.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, that's great. I think that we should, it's not great. It's You know what I mean. I I always do this and this. Uh, Anyway, um, the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes that's very obvious, like letting people know where they can pick up this rad zine. Oh,
2: definitely. Um,
1: Otherwise, we love hearing shout-outs to other folks you think are doing dope work um or any uh kind of media that you've been consuming books movies tv shows things self-care
2: like that. stuff yeah. for sure um so these zines uh distribution is uh being worked on at the moment but uh they will be distributed at trapdoor theater so you can pick it up when you watch their production of munster dion as a woman at jackalope theater uh with uh their production light fantastic Um, Steep Theater, they're going to be ending Birdland pretty soon, but their next production will be up in about two weeks. Um, Red Twist, Prop Theater, uh, Straw Dog, they're doing Damascus at the moment, Um, and there'll be about $5 suggested donation, and all of the proceeds go towards uh, distributing and compensating everyone who's worked for this. Um, I would love to give a shout-out to all the badasses who have contributed to this um, zine and making this come to life thank you so much for all your work stay strong
1: (laughs) nice well thank you all so much for listening oh
2: uh, I want to. Well, what I want to
3: do is I just want to thank Danielle for joining Aww. us today. Yeah. it's uh, it is a it is an honor and a privilege to be penciled into Danielle Levski's calendar. So oh thank gosh. you so much for <laughs> for coming over and petting our cats and and um, uh, sharing your thoughts and insight. So I just want to thank you yeah. and thank you so much, Almania, for joining definitely.
2: Us. One last plug-in. Uh, the website www. dot Com will be uh online very soon and we can also buy the zines on there cool Cool. nice
1: well thank you
2: also
0: just just saying it's exciting
2: (laughs) i've
1: really um appreciate you putting up with my jumping on the bitness because i i really deeply it's very passionate about like like how like handing keys over to other people more often and I like I first off I appreciate everybody listening um to uh to having Danielle be our opener and Aww. be the lead on all this and everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's super important to me to do that and I'm really bad at not doing that. So thank you. Um, and I also want to thank you all for listening. Uh, I've been Daniel Johansson.
3: I continue to be Maureen Smith.
1: If you want to keep up with what we are up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. Uh, we spell that S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G.com. Uh, we post all of our articles there. Do you have What's something that got published through... Something came out today from from uh, your section.
3: It was an interview.
0: Yes. It was an interview. Uh, oh. Um, gosh. Jillian? Yes, Jillian Leff. It was an interview with Jillian Leff. Nice. Talking about the new space for one of the theaters that she's working with. Cool.
1: cool. Yeah, go check that out, scopymag.com. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can keep up with us on social media. On Facebook, we have a Facebook page called Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board. Um, there is a really fun space where we just talk about arts, politics, astrology, bullshit. It's great. <laughs> um, otherwise, you can keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Mag, spelled the same way as the website. You can find us on most of the podcast places, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, under Scopy Radio.
3: And I'm here to talk about the importance of subscribing. Uh, if you head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, there are a couple ways that you can do that. The first is to enter in your email address to receive an email every time we post something. That is hugely important, because although we post across social media platforms, the algorithm eats our shit. So uh, if you want to receive all of what we're posting and not just 30% of it, then you should really sign up for those email blasts so that you can be the first of your friends to know what we're up to. And we're up to some cool stuff. Uh, The other way is to become a member. Uh, At $5 a month, uh, you will receive a button that says go out and make something. And at $10 a month, you'll be on the invite list to our upcoming in-house concert series which is going to be so fun. Uh, We are setting a fundraising goal for that of um, we need 10 people to give $10 a month before we're going to be able to pull that off. We got one $10 a month donor today. His name is Corey Smith. We had him on the show. He's a performance artist. He is absolutely amazing. He's going to be at Pivot Arts. Go check it. Go check out his biz because he's great uh so we need nine more in order to get some super rad artists in our apartment to play some music and if you're interested in advertising please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com so give a little give a lot and if you can't give then listen participate and share
1: cool thanks again so much for listening go out and make something
3: yep
0: yay cool
3: you can Who's hit stop